Hey guys, welcome to Tigva. This is Annie and Sophie. And today we have a very special guest because he's our very first guest. And so, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name's Nick, and uh, I met Sophie and Annie uh, during our work as SWAT interns, um, I guess a couple years ago. Uh, I graduated from UGA back in May of 2020, and now I am working as a middle school director in North Florida. We are so excited to have Nick talk with us today, and we are talking about a very relevant topic of hope, obviously, and what is true hope? So Nick, start us off. Yeah, so I think I kind of started thinking about this topic of what is hope and what is true hope back in, I don't know, I guess over the summer, like, um, you know, March of last year is kind of when everything went crazy. Um, pandemic started blowing up and everything. And then we went through a few months of isolation and, you know, uh, quarantine. And it was all fun and games at first. And we were like, yeah, this is hard. We're gonna... And then eventually it just, it got to us and everyone was sad all the time. Um, and so I started thinking about hope because people were like, yeah, like this sucks, but eventually like it's going to go away. And we kept thinking like, oh, 2021 is coming. And then it was like, 2021 is going and like, hopefully one day, you know, Corona is going to go away and we're going to get a new president and like all these kind of things. And we started thinking about like hope, um, this idea of like hoping something in the future that's going to come and take away all of our problems. And, um, and I just thinking about that was like very, and to me that really struck me as just in, like in truth, something very hopeless, a very hopelessness about that of like just waiting for our circumstances to change. And then also it kind of like, um, you know, just working in a church, growing up in the church, thinking of everything through a spiritual lens, like really kind of shined a light on how we think about life in general and especially like eschatology and thinking about the end times and, um, the kingdom, I think, and the way we think about the kingdom as, you know, one day Jesus is going to come and take all of our problems away kind of thing. Um, and life sucks right now, but it's okay because one day it'll be better. Um, and how really I feel like that's not in truth, a very hopeful position to hold. Yeah. Um, do you think this is maybe like a American church kind of problem? Like I know it's like very common in American culture, like to like run the rat race. Like you're always trying to work to get that future, um, promotion or get that higher salary. Like, all these kind of things, like we're always working for something in the future. Do you think that kind of is like, we see this like almost like a false definition of hope as a result of kind of like our American culture. Do you think it's like something that's more worldwide? I don't know if you know any of that. No, I think that's a great point. I, I mean, I would say like, I mean, I don't know, but I would venture to guess that, yeah, like that's a huge part of it. And we are very forward looking I mean, you think about everything in our culture is always the next thing, the next best thing, especially, you know, Western culture as a whole, the next best thing. And like, as soon as an iPhone comes out, you know, it's like, we're waiting for the next one to come out the next year and, you know, all that. So it's like, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, we're kind of trained to think about what's next and what's coming and it yeah. naturally diminishes the present moment. Mm -hmm. um, but I also would think that like, 
definitely not like an expert in theology and church tradition, but I would venture to guess that that is, has something that has been, um, growing within like church, you know, our eschatology, the way we think about the end times and the way we think about heaven for a long time. And maybe those two things have been growing together just as like Western human psychology. I don't know, but I think that's a great point. Can you expand more on that sort of, that sort of traditional ish view that we have on end times and sort of how that filters into this more hopeless mindset? Yeah. So I think like, at least the way I grew up thinking about it, I think the mindset right now around the way that at least, like I said, I grew up thinking about heaven and end times um, was a lot of this, it was really escapist. And it was this idea that like salvation is my ticket to heaven. And so like one day, you know, Jesus is going to come back again and all of our problems are going to go away. And this idea that we are living in this world that is, you know, post Genesis three is this post fall world that is, has been overrun by sin and there's not really anything we can do about it. But Jesus one day is going to come back and put it all right. But until then, we just have to suffer through it. And, uh, eventually like that's all okay because eventually like heaven's going to come and we're going to live in this perfect world. That's super fun and dandy all the time. Um, but it, I think the, and kind of what we're getting at, the problem with that is it diminishes the current moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this kind of helpless waiting I also feel like it diminishes like the power of God like yeah there's still evil on the earth right now but also like God is still more powerful that than that evil and to say that like he can't do good things on the earth um right now in this moment like that's just like saying like yeah he's not that powerful um I mean we think about like the Lord's prayer and it's like that kingdom come that will be done on earth and as as it is in heaven like that's like a right now kind of prayer that we pray so like I don't know that's interesting yeah I think that's a great point like even the idea that heaven is now, I think we think about heaven as very future, um, something that will happen um, one day. Well, like you said the idea on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, heaven is something that exists. And even like I remember, you know, talking to my mom one time about the concept of like the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And, you know, Jesus talks about how his purpose um, on earth was to come and bring yeah. the kingdom of heaven and the idea that heaven and the kingdom of God are one and the same, you know, it's this idea that, um, heaven is meant to come to earth, you know? And even yeah. when you read like revelation, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and how like the new Jerusalem will descend, you know, and what that looks like. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, so now we're going to take this idea of, like, all our, all of our, like, false definitions of hope and kind of, like, moving towards, like, what hope actually is. Um, will you remind us again kind of of what you think, like, hope actually is versus, like, that false definition? Yeah, so I was thinking the other day and came up with this um, definition. This is just what I synthesized from my thoughts. Um I said this, hope is the future fulfillment of God's promises reaching backwards to the present moment. 
Um, and I think there's a lot in that. Um, and so we kind of unpacked it a little bit earlier when we were um, discussing a little bit, but I think I came up with this definition while reading um, the, the beginning portion of the book of Deuteronomy. And um, I've been reading it in this, um, from this commentary called, um, it's just called Commentary on the Torah written by Richard Elliott Friedman, um, which is a really, really awesome uh, commentary. And one of his biggest things is talking, he really emphasizes how, uh, how narrative the Old Testament is and how every book builds the story of, you know, uh, I mean, at this point, it's the story of the nation of Israel, um, you know, at the fifth book in the Old Testament. But um, really, I mean, it's the story of everything, the story of history, right? And he talks about how, like, you can't read Exodus without reading Exodus in the contents context of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And you can't read um, Numbers without reading it in the context of Genesis and Exodus and so on and so forth. And so, like, reading Deuteronomy, you have to read it all the way from Genesis 1 to to Deuteronomy 1 before you can fulfill, like really understand what Deuteronomy is talking about. And so um, at this point, at the beginning of Deuteronomy, the Israelites are kind of at the end of their wandering in the desert. Moses is kind of giving his last speech, um, his last like hurrah before they enter in to the promised land. And they're like waiting to go in. And it's this point where this promise that God made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis. And even before then, this, you know, what we see in the beginning, Genesis one through through one through two, and then um, in three, you know, this promise of, I mean, you can take the promise all the way back to the fact that God created, you know, heaven and earth, and it was good. Uh, right. And he put humans in that. And that's kind of the original promise. And then he makes his promise to Abraham that he's going to make his nation great, you know, he's going to make his descendants great and all this. And so the Israelites are, are operating within that framework and that's where the book of Deuteronomy sits and they're waiting to go in. And the beginning of Deuteronomy, Moses kind of goes back to a conversation that happens between him and the Israelites after they send in the 12 spies to check out um, the land uh, that's going to be it's the land of Canaan, right? That's yeah. gonna, yeah. I was like, I'm trying to make sure I said, but to check out the land of Canaan, that's gonna be the promised land, the land that God, you know, promised for the nation of Israel. Um, and so what happens is they, these twelve spies go in, um, they come back, only two give a positive report of what's, you know, to come, uh, and the other ten are like, we can't do it, it's too big, like there's walls and there's giants and there's all this kind of stuff, and then the other two, it's Joshua and Caleb, have this um, hope. Right, they have a hope and a, a trust in God's promise that it's going to be fulfilled. And so, this idea of like God has promised something to them, to the nation of Israel, and Joshua and Caleb are able to see the fulfillment of it. Go in and, and see, like, oh man, this nation is flowing with milk and honey. Right, the land is, and um, our God has promised that we're going to have this, and He's going to reward us and take care of us in this land. Um, and so therefore, in the present moment, still in the desert, um, haven't entered in yet, and still through this, in this process that God is taking the nation Israel through to like weed out the ones that don't get to go in, right, to, to really strengthen the nation of Israel. Um, they're in the middle of this hard 
portion of life, hard time for them. And yet they're able to have hope because they're like, I see the fulfillment of God's promise. And therefore, um, it hasn't happened yet, but I believe in it. And I believe that it's going to happen. And therefore, in this present moment, um, I'm able to have faith and have hope and have courage. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And especially... I don't know when we think when we think about hope I feel like a lot of times when we talk about it we get to like that that first part of understanding God's promises and definitely I think it's important like you're saying how they saw the promised land or even how we now we can't necessarily see the promised land if you will of like the new earth but we can um we can imagine it we can wonder about it all of these sorts of things so it's like you start with this promise and you really I think you spend time thinking about it not like all of your time, but I think you really spend time thinking about it. And at the same time, you spend time reflecting on the character of God and the faithfulness Mm -hmm. of God, which is so cool that we have the story of the Israelites coming to the promised land to look back on and see how God did indeed fulfill that promise as he's fulfilled every other promise. So it's just really cool to have this, this starting point of reflection and imagination and all of these things tied together, but then how once you have that solid foundation, it just necessarily breeds action in the moment as well. Yeah, for cool. sure. So what sort of actions should be flowing out of a hopeful mindset? So I think, again, kind of what we were going, the, the back to this like false idea of hope that we're kind of waiting for a better tomorrow, right? It's, just, it's a very passive concept mm-hmm. that we're just waiting on life to get better that we're waiting for someone else to come along and fix it or something like that and so i think like even if you look in the context of like the nation of israel at this moment they're about to enter in it's like they understand that they're not just going to walk in right like they're about to there's going to be a battle there's going to be a struggle um there's a fight that has to be done in order to enter into that fulfillment and to see it and so i think for us like hope is not this passive state where we're just waiting on something better to happen but i think when we understand that there is a promise and we are able to envision the fulfillment of that promise then i think it should encourage us to then go and participate in making that fulfillment a reality you know and so like in our own lives i mean i think we're able to look around at the world and say like, yeah, this world is broken. There's sin in the world, but then we're able to say, okay, but I believe that there is a better future that God has promised us that one day there will be a time when there is no more weeping, right? There's no more sickness or ailment. Like we're able to see that. And I think when we believe that and we're able to envision that fulfillment, you know, like you said earlier, Annie on earth as it is in heaven, then it should encourage us therefore to go and participate in the establishment of that promise right yeah well i like don't even know if like if you are like looking and being hopeful if it doesn't affect like how you're living now like if you're actually like having hope if you're Mm. just like going back to that wishful thinking of like i want things to be better but like i don't actually believe that they are so i'm just gonna like sit here and just like want but like not actually do anything about it right 
I feel like maybe sometimes as Christians, at least what I've experienced is like we have like this wrong view of work that we think like work is like we might have, we've talked about this before, but we think that work like in heaven we're not gonna work like all of these things, but like no, like we are work is holy, and sometimes we're afraid of hard work and like not to say that works are like what get us anywhere, but like the Lord is like okay, like you are living in this hopeful place, you see these promises, and like again establishing His kingdom on earth, like living that out, like. I don't know. It's almost like hope is like hard work, but it's like holy work almost. Yeah. Well, I think it just makes you think of, you know, James where he's like, you show me your faith by what you believe. I'll show you my faith by what I do. And this idea that belief and action are tied together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same thing with hope. Like I think hope and hope and belief are tied together Mm -hmm. as well. Like if we believe in the, if we believe in the promise, if we believe in the better future, then I'm not just going to like wait around for it to happen. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No. Um, like when people are talking about the story of Ruth, this just like gets under my skin and they're like waiting for her Boaz or whatever. But like Ruth didn't wait. Like she like stayed faithful to um, Naomi and like staying through that. And she like worked through it. And then like God's promise like fulfilled with Boaz. But she still like went and she like laid at his feet. Like so many things. She wasn't just like waiting, but she still had hope because her hope like propelled her to keep like moving mm-hmm. yeah, that's good that's a good point because if you like if you don't have hope what on earth would propel you to action like that really doesn't make any sense there's only one thing that could possibly move you out of slothfulness or overwhelming fear or just sitting and waiting and it's not really even like the good kind of waiting mm-hmm. but yeah, like a hopeless mindset isn't going to do that. So yeah. if it's the converse, of course you're going to be propelled to act. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting. Like I think desperation can force us to work sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like we can become so desperate. Like you can become so hungry that eventually you go and do something to fulfill your hunger, right? Like you can, that idea of that, I guess the converse would be action out of desperation. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I again I don't think that that's where you we are as believers it's not an action out of desperation it's not an action out of like self-preservation it's not like oh I have to act and I think we think about that all the time right like we talk think about like the the conversations we have around um climate change we have to act now or one day we're all gonna die like one day it's gonna be gone right and like I think that that is a motivation but I'm thankful that that is not our motivation because that is a motivation filled with the dread and yeah. despair and a really it's a it's a it's not a hopefulness right it's a, it's a wishfulness like mm-hmm. there's no um, and like you said earlier Annie like it's not hope is not the same as thing as like wishful thinking right like when you wish there's there's a lack of certainty but I think um, the hopefulness that we have in understanding and having faith in God's fulfilling his promises there's a certainty that it's going to come about and it's almost you know we talk about you know god's victory being certain um but then we have the opportunity to play a part in bringing that about right yeah and i think another cool i guess difference is if you're acting out of desperation there's no endurance to it Mm. you know like the moment you hit something really hard i think in general your efforts just kind of shatter and fall apart and then you're left with nothing and you feel even more of a failure than if you hadn't done anything at all whereas hope fuels you to give that endurance to keep on acting to keep on pushing through and to keep on doing incredible things yeah 
That's so weird. Cool. I think one thing that I, one thought I had that kind of is interesting in this, it's like, well, especially talking about the idea of certainty, right? Like if we, if we're certain we have hope, we believe in God's promises, I feel like you can almost, and I feel like we definitely heard this before, this argument of like, if that's really the case, then why should I, why do I need to do anything? Like if it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, in my notes when I was thinking about this before, I put hope in tomorrow gives us contentment today, but that doesn't mean that we have to accept the evil of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, we have a, yes, a certainty in victory and that gives us peace today. And that is enables us to have contentment in the midst. Um, you know, like, like Paul says, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, right? That I can do all things through Christ. And so it's like, we're able to be content even in the middle of a broken world. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to be complacent. Like that doesn't mean that we have to accept Mm. that this world is broken. Um, but it's like we said earlier, it is a driving factor to actually changing it. Mm. Um, what? So like, I guess kind of looking at this from a practical point of view, like, I don't know if y'all have seen like times in your labs of like hope in action, like coexist, not coexisting, but like your hope propelling you to action. Like, I don't know. What is that? How does that look different than just like ho- hoping, like quote unquote, like hoping but like just like waiting does that make sense does that question make sense like what does a lifestyle of like hoping in action look like versus a lifestyle of like hoping and being like complacent or just waiting I think for me a lot of times just when I think through it in my life when I'm most it it definitely comes out of that mindset of being when I'm most fixed on the promises Mm -hmm. and I have that in front of my mind obviously that feels the most hope. And I think it's in those moments where you're most willing to take risks, if you will. Mm, Yeah. But to like step outside of perhaps the normal everyday, just sort of motions or manners of life. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm trying to think of a specific like moment example, but like actually doing something or maybe it's even like making a choice to um, spend your time a certain way Mm. instead of just... I don't know, instead of just sitting there or, or doing something that might seem productive but isn't ultimately productive, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of vague, but I think it really means being intentional with pretty much like every moment mm-hmm. of every day and being willing to take greater risks um, and actions. Yeah. I think also, too, like being intentional with every moment, but being intentional with every thought, too, and like mm-hmm. the way like you fix your mind and... Because I think when you combine hope and action, like, that's going to change the way you think about something versus when you, like, have your hope and waiting because you're just, like, sitting there and it's more of, like, the dwelling on things and, like, dwelling in, like, a negative way. Dwelling on things is, like, good and pondering them. But, like, just, like, thinking out of it and, like, almost, like, regressing back into, like, a really, like, deep, like, dark place maybe. Whereas, like, if you were in that place of hope, taking action like you again like your mind is like being so intentional of focusing on this is God's promise like I believe this is going to happen like I guess your mind is also being more action oriented would y'all agree yeah I definitely think so and I think it even like um I think you know we me and Sophie were discussing earlier the concept of like purpose and how like misguided it can be Mm -hmm. 
we get stuck in the rut of trying to like form our life around some sort of specific purpose right yeah. but I think having like true hope does give you give your actions at least a, a purpose right mm-hmm. it's like when you believe in in that again that future fulfillment of the promise then it's like I can take purposeful like you said intentional actionable mm-hmm. steps towards bringing that about that fulfillment mm-hmm. and then I think it even gives us clarity in like if I am doing things in my life that are not working toward that hope mm-hmm. toward the thing that yeah. gives me hope then yeah. I can cut those out of my yeah. life right like they're 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 adjacent to it they're not a part of of really like anything like meaningful or purposeful yeah. right and I think too it also causes us to cast kind of our thoughts off of ourself I think when we're living in a hopeless state, it's the same of, and we talked about like being desperate. It's the same of living in this, like a scarcity mindset, right? Like, and I think we saw that a lot with in like uh, quarantine and and isolate the Mm -hmm. people being put in isolation and people being without people and people feeling like, um, I don't know. I mean, buying like hundreds of rolls of toilet paper because we're, you know, we're stuck Mm -hmm. in this like scarcity mindset of, self-preservation but I think when you have that hope it takes those thoughts and like pushes them off of you and onto I mean the rest of the world I guess yeah no that's good so I guess my thought is like maybe this is where you were starting to take us Annie but like so what then yeah if this is our death if this is like if just waiting for tomorrow is not hope but hope is this understanding of of trusting in this future fulfillment of a promise if it is a of faith in you know the reality of a better future um what does that mean for us what do we do now so i think that talking about like daily change practical change i mean that gives us the ability then to go you know every day to to accept or well, maybe not accept like we said earlier but to ex- i mean to accept that today is part of a process, right? And therefore I can take joy um, even in the hardship of today. But again, fighting for for the hope of tomorrow, right? Under, but understanding that it's going to take time, that it um, it doesn't happen instantly. It's kind, of, it's kind of a weird paradox. It's ironic, right? We talked about how God is like the king of irony. Um you read the gospels that Jesus was his most kingly while he was his most humiliated. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's like, there's this kind of irony that once we are able to, um, accept the, the, the hardship, almost the, the pain, right. Humble ourselves and accept that this is part of a process that we're not perfect, that we're never going to be perfect. Then we're almost able to step into more. So the future, like what is coming, um, and have it today yeah. and take it to others. I think once you realize that and you have that hope, um, then we're given power to allow others to see it. How do we do that? It's, I mean, I think in a way it's like shown through the way we love others. Like if you love others out of a place of hope, like they're going to recognize that because it's going to, I think that type of love is going to have a different, consistency is the wrong word but I don't quality it's gonna have a different type of quality and like meaning than just like another kind of love and I don't even know if like the other kind is truly love um because it seems like it just like fade away but I think if you're loving somebody out of like that hope-filled place 
like that is going to like spark hope within them because they're going to see like oh like they're going to see Jesus and like see um that within and I love that I mean it makes you think of you know first Corinthians 13 where it talks about we have faith hope and love but mm-hmm. the greatest of these is love it's like I think love is our it's our avenue to sparking hope in other people, right? Like real love, true yeah. love. Because like you said, I mean, if we don't, if we again, it's this cyclical thing. It's like if we don't have hope, then we can't love people fully because mm-hmm. it's just like a hopeless love is just, it's just charity, I guess, you know? It's like, yeah. Um, but the idea that, you know, love to an end, like I'm going to love you to a purpose, to mm-hmm. um, understanding that it can take you somewhere. It mm-hmm. can, you know. Or you have something to say. I do. And so, if you don't know me, I'm a social work major. So, you know, this combination of hope, love, and other people just, like, clicks right up my alley. And so, I think, too, like, part of hope in loving people with hope is seeing, like, the hope for them. And, like, seeing, like, I see your potential. Like, I see the things that, like, God has created you to be. And I see the things that he has for you. And you might not see it right now, but I love you so much that, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you, like, like step into that kind of thing and then that leads you into patience right Mm -hmm. like yeah if you have a hope like a true hope and a belief in someone you said loving them because you believe in their potential Mm -hmm. and in their future then you're not like angry at why they're not better today yeah right or you're able to love someone through a process um, because you understand you have faith and hope that one day it's going to take them somewhere Mm -hmm. better Um, and I mean feel like that's the way God sees us right like he talks about um, again in James the idea of you know we seek we draw near to God and he draws near to us but in that same passage it talks about how um, we have grace and the phrase is like there is grace is more that's all it says like there's there's more grace Mm -hmm. and it's like period and so it's like there is more grace always in this idea of because there's a process because there is an end in the future we have grace now and loving people with grace Mm -hmm. in the same way again a very practical physical way um i think hope in a hope as in true hope in the better tomorrow in the better future is like i love you now and if you're not living within that i keep loving you because Mm -hmm. i my hope doesn't fade right it's not yeah it's not something that's like instant gratification yeah yeah and i think another way too that it's that it's made evident is the sort of conversations that we have with people around us like is our hope evident in the words that we're saying yeah is it evident in the way that we're talking about whatever situations we're going through like I don't know I think there have been certain instances either of myself or other people that in that moment are so like hope focused and it's just obvious by the way that they're talking about it and it's so encouraging and I think it definitely sparks hope in me or the other people around to want also like to also want that assurance and confidence mm-hmm. and courage and action and so I definitely think conversation and the way that we carry ourselves, what we talk about is so crucial in sparking hope. Yeah. I mean, it's a perspective shift, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything is so hopeless right now. And like, that's why I love Pixar movies and not like dystopian novels. Right. Because they always somehow like it's, it's, it it may seem like the cheesy happily ever after, but it's this idea that like, like I love Wally, right? Because they come back from space with this little plant and a boot and he thinks it's going to turn into a pizza tree or whatever. But it's like, 
then at the very end the last like 30 seconds spoiler alert if you haven't seen it the camera like zooms out and there's this field full of these Mm -hmm. little seedlings and it's this idea that like you know we can change our perspective to see is this like a damaged world or is this an opportunity for Mm -hmm. good things to grow you know if the world at large (laughs) is generally kind of saying and believing that everything is hopeless how when we're kind of getting pumped full of that and that's just everywhere we turn how do we fight that or or where what do we do in that um i think it is a lot of it has to do with like filtering truth Mm -hmm. and so one of the thoughts i had um in this was the idea of that you know god's truth over like the world's truth like you said like Mm -hmm. what we're hearing on a daily basis and so filtering filtering those things through again what what is true about god what do we know about god right and i mean we know that god is faithful right and that god always follows through his promises and so i think like for us if we hear something that contradicts that um that says like you know the world is and, and not to say that like and it's it's subtle right because we can talk about like again and i'll come back to the idea the the conversation of like climate change right and we can say that like there's things that are happening there that are negative and just because god is good doesn't mean like bad things aren't happening on the world right so we can't say like we can't look at that and be like oh well that's not true because god is good Mm, right Mm -hmm. that would be that's like false logic but what we can say is the and and the devil is so much more subtle than that anyway right like his lie is going to be underneath his what his lie is going to be is is something more along the lines of um like that's the state of humanity or like the idea that because negative things are happening in the world that we have to accept them right or that that's a part of life and therefore like slowly eats away our ability to think that there's something else um but what we do know is that again, God is good and God is faithful. And so we can combat the lie that like everything ends horribly, right? Mm -hmm. Or that like, there is no, there is no other way. There is no better way. I think what you said about like focusing on truth is so important because again, like if you don't know truth and that comes from like knowing, I mean, you literally said like knowing who God is, like if you don't know, like how can you filter, um, again, like what's hopeful and what's not, um, but two, I think, like, super practically, like, establishing boundaries, like, that's something I've had to do over the past year, like, with news, like, I, like, a plug, I don't even get sponsored for this, but I, like, subscribe <laughs> to this thing called the pour over, which is, like, very brief um, news, and it's Christian-based, and it's, like, very, like, factual, and, um, like, not being bogged down, and, like, creating boundaries with social media, and with people, with people, too, I think that's a really hard thing, like, if there are hopeless people in your lives, like, Part of you, yes, should be loving them in a way that, like, sparks that hope. But, too, like, understanding that, like, you can put up a boundary to where, like, they don't affect you. Because that's something I've had to, like, I've seen in, like, friends' lives of how, like, it, they've been, like, some of the most hopeful people. And then because of, like, people that they surround themselves with, like, it's just been, like, completely destroyed. Um, so, I think, like, creating boundaries in, like, a super, super practical way is another way, too, to kind of, like... I don't know, guard our hearts against hopelessness. That's huge. I think that's great. And I was even thinking last night, like, you know, all of the 
like news outlets and everything that people are listening to and how it completely shapes your perspective and your, you know, the way you think about the world and every story nowadays has an agenda mm-hmm. and, you know, it's foolish to think that you can read everyone's agenda over and over and over again and not be yeah. persuaded into that. Right. Um, but you know, there's things of Ephesians, you know, whatever is good, pray, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, mm-hmm. you know, think about such things, yeah. this idea that we should be consciously making an effort to think about good things. Mm-hmm. Right. And to think about true things. Yeah, I think the first, maybe the first step is just that simple recognition that not everything we hear is true. Mm. And like a secondary recognition that a lot of times it's hard to figure out what is true and what is false. And so I think, like you guys are saying, turning back again and again to like, who is God? Like, what has he done? What has he said about himself? Like, how has he just shown himself to be faithful and true over and over and over again? which I think turns back again to this consistent really trying, like really working to understand scripture and to know him better. And not just like reading a random verse here or there, but like studying, like understanding, filling our hearts and minds and souls, like all of it with knowledge of him. And then I think it's also just cultivating hope by the people, like you guys, like by the people you interact with, by the things that you take in, even not just news, but like what yeah. sort of Netflix shows are you watching? Yeah. Like I, I think a lot of times we don't realize how serious it is that things like that, that even simple stories or these sorts of things can really sneak in past our minds and take us captive in a hopeless mindset. So I think I think a lot of it is like this is this is a fight and it is a battle. And so we need to be careful with what we're doing and seek out, just like what you're saying, seek seek out what is good um, and profitable and all of those different things. Yeah, It makes me think like, you know, the story of Jesus walks on the water and Peter gets out and walks to him. It's like he was looking at Jesus and the wind Mm -hmm. and waves were still there. Mm -hmm. But as soon as he focused on the turmoil, he sunk into it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's the same for us. Like as soon as we, it's okay to like know what's going on in the world, but as soon as you focus on it yeah. and it becomes yeah. your, you know, what's driving you, mm. then it's very easy to sink into it, right? And be overwhelmed by it. So the last thing that I think is, I feel like it could be very easy to walk away from this conversation being almost overwhelmed mm. with the idea that now I have to go be hopeful and it's this like burden, right? To go and like be a hopeful person in the hopeless world and like carry this weight but I think again, that is, that's the opposite of what, like the point is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked. I think me and so we talked about this earlier. But like, all good things come from God, right? Like we are not the originator of these good things. You think even like, um, pre Genesis three, right? Like when we, humans were still not God, right? And it's like all good things came from the Lord, even in that time, even before sin. And so for us, it's not our it's not our purpose to try and like create these good things, but it's our, you know, it's our opportunity as believers to rest in them. And so I think like it could be very easy again to walk away with like, okay, now how do I like force my way into this hopeful mindset rather than I mean it's a it's a belief thing, right? Like it's, and it's not like this weak faith, strong faith, but it's this idea of trusting and believing in God's goodness and God's fulfillment. Like we said that this is part of a process um, and therefore living in it. And so it's not a, 
we said it's it's actionable obviously but it's not like a um it's not something we can produce in ourselves yeah that's a good point you can never just muster up the hope because that's like the most hopeless thing because you're putting it back in your own power again Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i think really the fundamental thing is just to look to jesus and like reflect on god and who he is and hope naturally flows from knowing him Mm -hmm. i don't know why this thought always just like pops into my head but i'm just thinking of like every time that like the children in narnia encountered aslan that like that was it that was all they needed and they were children so obviously they couldn't do these wild things but everything changed when they just looked at the lion because when you look at the lion you're like the lion has got this like he can (laughs) he can take it and so i think it's just like just that simple act of looking and resting Mm -hmm. in the king and the creator who's got this all of it well thanks nick for being our very first guest on tikva it was a delight to have you so honored (laughs) dang we have a guest we have an intern we're thriving. You're stepping it up. This is going on my resume. <laughs> it's all mine already. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for listening. It Again, I think I say this every time. It means so much that you listen to what we have to say because that's just really cool to me. Um, yeah. Thank you to Cloudland for our music in the beginning and the end. And yeah. Until next time. <laughs> Bye, you guys.